Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the podcast segment of the show that's not broadcast on station KLA. Our guest for this 414th show is Vanessa Sage, assistant curator at the Figgy Art Museum. And we're going to be talking about For America, 200 Years of Painting from the National Academy of Design. Our history buffs are Ed Broders and Terry Toppler. And Terry, you start us off. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Vanessa, we talked a little bit about some of the different sections. And I want to go back again to the section four on post-war realism, on racism, mm-hmm. class, and equality. Uh, what would I look for? Um, can, is there a particular painting that would highlight um, a representation of that time period? Uh, there is, so in that section, I would say Charles White uh, is a wonderful, um, it's very relevant to that uh, those issues. He, so one of the things is uh, he, instead of donating a portrait of himself, he decided to donate a portrait of his great aunt, Hasty Baines, who was born into slavery. And the title of that work is called uh, Matriarch. And so we see that instead of, you know, instead of donating a self-portrait, he's, honoring uh, somebody in his family as well as all the other people who came before them as being, you know, sort of the foundation of of building of what he was able to become in his life. Okay, Ed. Yeah, um, you talked in the radio portion of the show. uh, You gave us some background on the uh, process of obtaining um, a special exhibit like this. Um, how long does that process take from the time somebody at the Figgy decides, okay, we're up for another special exhibit? Um, how long does that take before the thing actually um, is available for viewing? So usually the process takes several years. Uh, this exhibition, I think it was three years before it actually arrived at the museum that we became, uh, we inquired about it and started conversations with the organizers. And that's typical, especially for an exhibition of this scale and importance. It'll be at least a couple years. And sometimes we even start conversations, uh, you know, even five years in advance when the exhibitions are still very much in the beginning stages. Okay. Um, You guys, of course, um, have strong ties with the University of Iowa. when you are putting on a major presentation like this, um, do you guys pivot to them for like hearsay or, or, or do you guys work together on this? Or Because I'm thinking kind of like Ed, this, these paintings and everything, I'm dying to see it and get over there. But of course, presentation, as you said, is such a, a ma- um, macro and micro process. Do you guys do it within house or do you turn to others for help as well? Of pl- for planning the exhibition, yes, the installation at the museum, all the so, above. <laughs> okay, uh, so we do all of this was done. So, like I mentioned, the the organizing institutions they give us the framework, and then 
they give us, you know, the, the didactics and the, the label texts and everything. But we, we uh, change things depending on our needs as an institution. So, for instance, uh, with the layout as well as some of the didactics, like we, we make small adjustments and then we go back to the organizers. Like if we want to provide more information on a certain work, um, that wasn't necessarily included in the original text, and that's something we could add. And then in terms of the layout, that's something we have these uh, to-scale models. And so we know the size of the works, the, the frame scale of the works, and then we can go through those scale models and lay everything out so we actually see how the objects work in space even though they're, you know, one to one inch to one foot scale, we can still tell the sight lines and how those things are going to work. And then in terms of the, the paint colors, uh, that's something that I was able to go see the exhibition and when it was hung at a museum in New Britain, uh, Connecticut. And then I got to see the works in person and the colors of the works in person. And then that gives you an idea of what colors would work with those in, in life and maybe what didn't work so well. And then we get test uh, colors, like test paint colors, and then we can see how those paint colors work in our spaces because even, there's even a difference between, you know, when you see a color in fluorescent light versus when you see something um, up with the LED lights or in the gallery space, the colors act differently. Okay, uh, Vanessa, I'm going to come back to the collection. Um, some paintings, uh, some styles of paintings are very um, common, very comfortable. People walk in and they go, yep, that's a painting. I know exactly what that is. Uh, and then sometimes there are things that are a little bit more off uh, in terms of just stuff that people wouldn't have been exposed to before. Are, are there any paintings in this collection that you would think are going to be surprises for the average person walking through? Surprises? Well, I think that mm, I, I, it's hard for me to say because I've seen, you know, I'm so, sure. it's hard for me to be shocked anymore. Um, <laughs> but, I'm just thinking, you know, Jackson Pollock, in, in spite of the fact that he's mm -hmm. very famous, people still walk in and are blown away by the size, the scale at which he painted. And then what is actually going on in the painting and whether they like it or, or hate it. And usually that is what you get is one or the other. You, it's certainly a, a, it's a surprise. It's not what they thought of when they thought of a traditional painting. Um, and that's so sort of what I'm trying yeah. to get at. So there's one that comes to mind. I mean, we, there's there's plenty of works that have more you know gestural paint strokes and are more abstracted. But there's one work that's really funny that I think is shocking in its own way. And it's by this artist named uh, Peter Saul. And it's a self-portrait, and it's, it's humongous, and it has this pink background. And he's painted himself with his glasses askew, and there's, like, drool coming out of his mouth, <laughs> and his teeth look all funky. And... He, it's really it's really funny, and then he's holding up, you know, th this paintbrush, and it's like I'm, you know, there, there's all these other portraits in the exhibition where, and, you know, much respect to these artists, they've painted themselves as very professional in, you know, their attire, the, their demeanor, they are 
dressed well and then they they're sitting there and they're very professional have their palette have their paintbrush and you can tell it's like i am a professional artist and then you come down and you see this peter saul painting and he's really he's it's just filled with uh humor and it's just really it's got a lot of humor to it and also uh, you can tell that he's you know he's having a laugh at himself in it but even so, it's a really great painting. And if you look um, close to it, you can see that there's uh, what looks like uh, finger marks in the paint as well. So <laughs> cool. I, I would say that one I, that one is a, a great one that has surprised a lot of people. And you either love it or you hate it. And I've seen people have both reactions, and I love it. Sure. Uh, Terry. Yeah, Vanessa, are there like companion e- events that are tied in with this exhibit? And would they be virtual or in-person? Yes, so we have, right now we're still doing mostly uh, virtual events. Uh, We have some, you know, you can come in, you can have a tour, a small um, in-person tour that we have scheduled periodically. But largely our events are online. And we have quite a robust uh, programming, robust programming planned uh, for the exhibition. Uh, I think the next, there, there's events every Thursday night, and until May 16th, they are all for America, all tied into For America. Thank you. All right. We would like to thank our guests for the 414th show, Vanessa Sage, assistant curator at the Figgy Art Museum, who talked with us about the um, that's not correct, son. <laughs> so I've got another question if you want to yeah, fill why in. Don't, why don't you ask a question and I'll, I'll see if I can help John sort well, out what he's trying to not say. A long, it's not a long one. So, um, But Vanessa, uh-huh. you've, you've spoken uh, about the requirement um, for an artist who is asked uh, to join the American... Uh, the National Academy of Design, um, are those portraits required to be self-portraits? Or um, do you have a mix of those that are self-portraits and those that are painted of the artist by someone else? So I should mention that they, they did away with that requirement a while back. So it was an active requirement for a while, but now that's not. Now they they can donate just a a work that's representative of their of their work of their choice. Um, but within the exhibition, there's a lot of different uh, people donated. Like I mentioned earlier, Charles White donated a painting of his great aunt. So they don't they don't have to be self portraits. And then other people donated portraits of other artists. And that makes for an interesting uh, mix. And another example that's interesting is this artist named Ruben, uh, Ruben Tam, who is on in the post-war realism section, uh, donated a landscape painting as his portrait. And so there's, it's, the requirement was not, um, you know, as it wasn't super firm in what they donated. Okay. Try this again. Yeah, thank you, Ed. <laughs> we would like to thank our guests for the second time of the 414 show, Vanessa Sage, assistant curator at the Figgies Art Museum, who talked with us about um, 
for America, 200 Years of Painting from the National Academy of Designs. The History Bus for today's show were Ed Broders and Terry Toppler. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in the search and click on first icon and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. ROI is recorded at station KALA St. Ambrose University.